Welcome to This Body, a podcast about being in a body. I'm your host, Sophia, speaking to you from somewhere in the haunted Mojave Desert near Joshua Tree, California. I am a writer, a yoga instructor, a rock and roll disciple, and a self-esteem enthusiast. I've been living in a body for over 40 years. Also dropped out of high school in the 90s. Certainly no medical expert. Any wisdom I have accumulated over my 44 years is to be taken for what it is. Pure life experience. And I've lived a few lives. You can trust me. I'm a New Zealander. (laughs) Welcome to episode two. I am so happy to have you here. I'm super pumped that some of you subscribed after episode one. That really cheered me up. I was sick. It was not COVID. It was some other plague-like disease. So disgusting. So thank you for subscribing. That really lifted my spirits. Please leave me a review if you want. And if that's a bit much, just give me five stars, babe. Please and thank you. I am recording this just prior to the close of 2023. Bye. Yuck. I am jonesing for a positive change next year in 2024. Though the likelihood of doing anything other than just clinging to sanity in dear life seems a bit too much to hope for. And yet hope springs eternal, am I right? And I'm so glad it does because... Without that little spark of hope, we ain't got much. (laughs) God, what a year. We started it with war. We ended it with war. The volcano in Iceland blew up again. We had a stupid year culturally, as per usual. Barbie being the high point, I guess, which doesn't really bode well. There was that submersible that imploded near the Titanic. We all watched that. That was... Surreal, weird. (sighs) For Bravo fans, there was Scandaval, a true moment of cultural crossover. Never thought I would see the day where Vanderpump Rules would be at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. But here we are in post, 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 post modern society. Was it all a dream? That's about all I remember from the last 365 days. (sighs) If you're in America, the election looms yet again. I started thinking about how rigid and crazed people get when a two-party system attempts to govern 300 million, no, more than that, many, many millions of people (laughs) of wildly different backgrounds and outlooks. And I thought, shit. What the world needs now is more neuroplasticity and, of course, my niche podcast. So that's what we're talking about today. Neuroplasticity. Ever heard of it? Neuroplasticity is the ability of neural networks in the brain to change through growth and reorganization. It's when the brain is rewired to function in some other way that differs from how it previously functioned. When neurogenesis occurs, new connections between existing ones are sometimes created. Some experts use the term neuroplasticity to refer to the brain's ability to adapt to change and to learn. 
Other professionals use it to describe the brain's ability to grow and heal after injury. It's not a huge amount of research on the topic, but what there is is really promising. Neuro refers to the nervous system consisting of the brain and the spinal cord, and plasticity refers to change. So how can we support our brain's ability to change, to grow? How can we support neuroplasticity in ourselves? Well, doing new shit can help to protect against age-related degeneration. But there's also some philosophical and immediate things around the idea of change that we ought to focus on in order for life to be more comfortable in our brains, in our bodies, and in our society. Now, I don't think we live in a healthy society, and so that's where I'm coming from. (laughs) If you sense an agenda here, yeah, you're not mistaken. So, ch-ch-ch-changes. Most people don't love change. (laughs) Resistance is futile, yet we resist. We persist, we insist that things stay the same. Most of us are dragged kicking and screaming into the future more often than not, and it can feel so alienating and weird when the world changes on us And we weren't ready, we weren't even looking in that direction, and now here it is. And younger people are making us feel all old and bitter, and in private we might feel humiliated and confused, which can lead to kind of acting like an asshole, right? That bitterness and that humiliation Unless we deal with that and we face that head on and we see it for what it truly is, it can manifest as assholery. <laughs> so the first time I noticed this in myself was in the mid-2000s, I think around 2005, when music suddenly shifted. And at the time, I was just like in my mid-20s, so you know, not old. I had always been in step with music and the associated social cachet around that. I felt I really understood culture through music and I used it as a really important language with my peers. And then I got busy. I got really busy. I started a business in New Zealand, a tattoo studio with a gallery space and a retail space. Um, It took up all my hours. I was a young woman. I was the boss. Some of the people that I was um, the boss of were older than me. I had older business partners. I was around like men. So there was a lot on my plate then and I was just really busy trying to do my job. (laughs) it took up all my hours and for the first time in my life I just did not have time to be pursuing new music and then one day I was in this cool vintage store in Auckland fast and loose and they were playing 
I don't remember what it was. I've thought about it and I've thought about it and I just can't remember. But there were a few different genres hopping around that day. Like Electro Clash. At the time, there was this niche English garage rock happening. There was like new rave music coming through. And I was really floored by what I was hearing because I didn't understand what was going on. Like, when had this happened? How did I not even see this? Had I not been out lately? I had not. I had been at my place of business, hosting events there, building that culture, and I really did not like the way it made me feel. At like 26, I felt old. (laughs) These kinds of cultural shifts are usually where we find ourselves in in need of a bit of flexibility and openness. Warren Fisher from Electro Clash Outfit, Fisher Spooner, said of the time, that moment pulled me into the next century creatively because I could understand what the value of fun was. I could understand what the value of plasticity was and the value of mistakes. It was joyous. I went back to my shop. I got on LimeWire, which was like, those of you who remember, remember, it was like Napster. So a file sharing slash stealing site. And I downloaded a shit ton of music that the Fast and Loose Girl recommended. Um, These were insane days of just suddenly being able to steal music. More about that a little later. But I downloaded all this music. At the end of the month, I received an internet bill for $700 because they charged for the bandwidth back then. But I justified it by telling myself it was important that my taste stayed relevant because I was in that kind of a business. (laughs) Um, And anyway, not all the music was worth it. (laughs) But it led me to other artists and it facilitated a quantum leap in my brain. I can't recall if I was able to claim it on my tax return, but knowing me, I tried. The internet was such a huge disruptor in music at the time. File sharing totally decentralized music consumption, and for the first time, things weren't localized anymore. It was just a sound, a vibe, a shift. And people didn't think it would last in the industry. It was like refusing to see something coming straight for you because you dislike the idea of it so much. Guess what? Things changed forever. And all the record companies got caught with their pants down and those people who clung to their CDs and whatnot missed the boat and played catch-up years later. Being skillful at life requires you to pay attention and be nimble and flexible and curious. It wasn't just new styles of music. The change represented this generational shift, a definite progression and a change of ideas and roles and accessibility. Gender and sexuality was freeing up. I had internalized a lot of misogyny, that was Gen X to a T. 
the cool girl archetype where you roll with sexism, laugh at boys' jokes. <laughs> In my teens, I read William Burroughs and Charles Bukowski and I really applied myself to enjoying things that the guys in my life and scene thought were cool. That's also a form of neuroplasticity. For example, I learned how to enjoy Norwegian black metal and to differentiate between the blaring screams of mayhem and the blaring screams of, say, Bathory. Anyway, Back to the early 2000s, so a lot of different things were moving around and waiting to be born, and music was an outward manifestation of generational change. It felt threatening because the language was changing, and the look was changing, and the style was changing, the old giving way to the youth. In the amazing book, This Is What It Sounds Like, Susan Rogers, former engineer on Prince's Purple Rain, now cognitive neuroscientist, said that people often return to the same favorite albums and genres that they came of age loving as a way to feel comfort and to self-soothe. It makes perfect sense, especially for people who have kids. There is this clear delineation between childhood and adulthood when a person has a child of their own. All your energy is taken up raising the child as it should, and there is no time for new music. There's absolutely nothing wrong with returning to our favorite albums and our favorite artists. Cruising down those familiar neural pathways can be so delicious. And through active discovery of new art, new music, places, things, we can carve out exciting new highways in our brains and make our time with our children longer, funnier, more enlightening. Not to mention the evidence that suggests working on neuroplasticity protects our brains against age-related diseases, the likes of which your kids will have to contend with as you age. In my opinion, the amount of scientific research on things that are Super obvious is a real eye roll, and I'd much rather see that money be spent in areas of research that are totally ignored, very underserved, such as, oh, I don't know, menopause. Does anyone know anything about menopause? Hello. But instead, we have all these no-brainer articles and studies about the mechanisms of neuroplasticity that personally, I think we naturally gravitate towards because our bodies know our bodies have inherent wisdom. We know that it's like fun and interesting to take a new street. We know that it's good to use your non-dominant side because it feels weird and awkward and that's interesting and it highlights to you that, hey, this is underdeveloped. We know that getting a passport and boarding a plane to a new place is going to change our lives. We just have to stay curious. As humans and bodies, we crave movement, excitement, newness, as much as we need and crave stability. I think we get confused in the nuances. We can be a little literal, right? Um, an example is as adults, we're capable of making a home within our minds and taking it with us. 
Our body is our home on this earth. Children definitely benefit from living in the same place as they learn and grow and mature. It's nice to have a family home to return to, but it's not a bad thing to change your environment from time to time. Think about when you move, how you have to clear out old stuff. You can't take everything with you. You throw a lot of stuff out. You shed, you like renew, and then you go and you have like a fresh vibe in your new place. And um, if any of you out there have had to deal with uh, a parent's home or a grandparent's home or somebody's home that, you know, they've passed away and they've just left all their stuff from the last 40 or 50 years, it's like, whoa. And do you want to do that to somebody? Do you want your kids to have to deal with all your crap? (laughs) for me, I like to do things in like 10 year increments. I haven't really planned it that way. It's just the rhythm I've noticed my body has set over the course of my life. Every decade or so, I'm like, hmm, time for a change. Embracing new places and other forms of newness can make us fluent at the language of life. Just look at language itself. I was thinking about, in the shower this morning, (laughs) the phrase eating. In the 80s, if someone ate, it meant they came off their skateboard and smashed their faces in. (laughs) Now, if she ate, it means she dominated and wiped the floor with the competition. The term came out of the gay ballroom scene, and now it's been freed into the world for everyone's enjoyment. Because things change, thank God. The way people talk and joke is so compelling to me. And those kind of things also change. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss the joke. I don't want to miss any jokes because all I really care about is having a laugh. I really need that to offset the horror of life. (laughs) So otherwise life is boring and hellish. TikTok is another example This type of entertainment, staccato little vignettes, a format that speaks to the new brain very fast, to the point. Also unconcerned often with slickness. In my experience, this has been confronting for a lot of older people. When I first started using TikTok, I was a little confused by the way young people presented themselves, all messy and undone and informal. My entire life, this had not been the vibe. My logic, because of my internalized misogyny of being a Gen X slash millennial woman, and therein lies the shift, the change, the need for neuroplasticity, for fluency, for flexibility. Young people have taken a detour away from patriarchal beauty standards. My generation is full of this internalized misogyny still. It's in me as I judge my own appearance and what people will think if I'm imperfect. Um, I have done a lot of work on it, though, so that I'm not looking around at other women and thinking bitchy thoughts, which is just how I grew up, that competitive comparison 
just drinking the haterade, man. The kids on the internet with their spotty skin and their woolly hair, (laughs) or somebody like Julia Fox deliberately making herself ugly to men by shaving her eyebrows off. This isn't simply being contrary to gross out older people. It's a vibe shift where notions of capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, politics are physically manifesting in a more human look online or in Julia Fox's case, a totally alien look online, going against what people expect of somebody that looks like her. It's resistance as much as it is fashion. And it's always been that way, you know? Popular fashion movements are always political. Of course, on the flip side, we have young people using fillers and Botox and opting for surgeries in the quest to look like an extremely homogenous generation of Kylie Jenners. So thanks Kylie for the 2015 lip kit, which normalized lip injections for all. But again, that is maybe a topic for another episode. Subscribe and share. Do you see the nuances though? These little things that are going on that might be really foreign to you personally, but that doesn't mean that they're not happening and they're not going to take precedence in the future. We are healthy if we are fluid. Remember when Obama changed his mind about gay marriage after talking with his family? To me, that signified a triumph. He changed his mind. That shows mental agility. America felt differently, I think. The idea of changing one's mind is seen as a weakness in politics. But America, I ask of you, what is stronger a river that flows, or a calcium deposit on the banks of a river that got stuck and now goes nowhere. When I was around 30, I started noticing people around me were starting to calcify, solidifying themselves around certain notions. It felt like some people decided that, okay, youth is over now, They knew what they knew, and from there they were going to vote a certain way, they were going to raise their children. Because attention is limited, and time is limited, and if you want to raise a family, or dedicate the bulk of your time to something, career, art, other things have got to go. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Your vantage point at 30 is hella different to your vantage point at 40, and so on. If I stop looking out into the world at 30, hmm, I'd still have razor-thin 90s eyebrows that would make me look every day of 44, but I got them microbladed and now I look 25. <laughs> so there you go. I don't think that that's much to do with neuroplasticity, but it is to do with um, staying abreast of technology. <laughs> When I think of the gender spectrum, I think of neuroplasticity. Okay, so an enormous amount of older people, and I guess like young conservatives, have found the emergence of non-binary gender issues and the accompanying spectrum extremely upsetting. It just really seems to make people go crazy. They know what they know. And now they're being asked to consider something they hadn't considered before. 
I don't think that people who are resistant to this change are being so because it's so hard a concept to grasp. I think it's partly because it requires a not insignificant effort to alter lifelong speech patterns and hardened concepts, calcified concepts. I don't think anyone finds it simple to go from she, he pronouns to they, them pronouns. It's hard. It's really hard. I'm really bad at it. I'm always misgendering one of my favorite yoga teachers. But so what? I correct myself. I keep trying. She's a, oh my God, they are a really good yoga teacher. And this is part of what I'm learning from them. Obviously, bigots will be gross and think way too flagrantly about the sex lives of other people. People do sit around and make up weird mental pictures of what they think Adam and Steve are up to next door. But I personally don't get how syntax, as a challenge, gets to take precedence over the voices of human beings who want things to be better for them in the future. I mean, it's so lazy. People are so lazy. The old guard always falls away eventually anyway. A river has to flow. Dams burst. So learn to swim. Good news for gamers and parents of gamers. Gaming's really good for neuroplasticity. So go buy your three-year-old Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) Grand Theft Auto might not be good for sexual development and society at large, but the act of learning a new video game is really good for your neural pathways. Do people even play Grand Theft Auto anymore? I don't know. I'm too old to know. <laughs> it's irrelevant to me. I was never a gaming girl. Um, I don't like to trade my life for hours in front of a console. So here are some things that I like to do personally for my neuroplasticity. Driving to random neighborhoods and walking my dog. It's nice to look at. Fancy houses. (laughs) It's nice to peep how the other half live and just to take a different route on a walk. I love reformer Pilates. I like the information that you can get from the reformer and all the weird coordination that's required. I like to brush my teeth or open bottles with my non-dominant hand. I like Katona yoga as a practice to lay over a normal yoga practice. If you don't do yoga at all, just get into that. And if you are a yogi, take a Katona class. It's very interesting. It's like you flip the whole thing on its head and it becomes a different conversation. I like going somewhere new, moving house, moving countries, changing everything. I'm kind of dramatic that way, but you don't have to be. Maybe you can make a New Year's resolution to drive home on a surface street that's different or dye your hair the opposite shade or paint the walls of your bedroom for a fresh perspective. If you're musical, you could learn a new instrument. If you want to do more art, you could try a fresh medium. Just think about what you could do that's different just for the hell of it. Change it up. Keep it moving. If you are in America, 
I mentioned before, it's about to be the election year. I moved here in 2014. And I had never in my life experienced something as traumatizing on mass as the 2016 election. Whoa. And then there was the hell year of 2020 when everyone was just fucking insane. You don't need me to remind you. <laughs> I see a real deficit in fluency, flexibility, and healthy brain function in both the population and the government. I'm currently working on ideas to help listeners of this podcast to look after themselves this year as we move through what will absolutely be a very grueling election cycle. One of the ideas I want to work with is this yogic concept of pratyahara. It's a drawing inward, a calibration of oneself where you just go inward like a tortoise going inside its shell and then it's just you aligning with great nature the ethics and morals your body knows to be true. From that place of authenticity, hopefully you can step out into the amazing adventures of other people's differing opinions and allow them to come in and be heard in the court of law that is your internal compass. We are capable of forming new neural pathways without betraying our truths. We're capable I'm not sure if I've seen it, but I know it's true. This is how we might be able to cross generational and cultural lines and not lose each other to ideas or a concept. Maybe. (laughs) If you're still resistant to the idea of practicing neuroplasticity, consider some stuff is out of your control. In the event of an injury... In some cases, the brain has been observed to form new connections as a mode of healing itself, but thus far, researchers haven't been able to figure out how to make it happen. It just happens in some brains. So, should you not practice improving neuroplasticity just in case? Some wisdom from my dearly departed grandfather, Arthur Powell. He and my grandmother did live in the same home all their adult lives. However, my grandfather fiercely valued travel. He made it a priority. My grandparents drove a camper through Europe in the 60s. They slept under the Eiffel Tower. Then they brought it back to New Zealand where I slept in it in Mount Eden. My grandfather was also a coach for the blind bowlers. Talk about a proponent of neuroplasticity. He would coach these guys and travel overseas with the team, proving that disabilities were a mind over matter thing a lot of the time. He was a simple man from a poverty-stricken upbringing in the far north of New Zealand whose motto in life was, the day you stop learning is the day you die. Babes, thank you so much for joining me on this body podcast about being in a body. I am your host, Sophia. Until next time, let it flow. Keep it moving. If you want to drop me a line and add to the conversation, reach out. This body podcast at gmail.com.